Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Working left to right, Stidham's out of the gun, he's got Kenyon Drake off his hip. Snap, plenty of protection, looking over the middle, pocket collapses, he takes off to the goal line! Touchdown, Stidham! Mullins out of the gun, pressure off the edge, throws it across the middle, it's caught at the 20, racing near sideline 10, turn the 5, 6 easy, touchdown Raiders! The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. 2-0 in the preseason. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday. Busy week. Football starting to heat up. You hear some highlights. Jason Horowitz, the new voice of the Raiders, in for Brent Musburger with uh, touchdowns there from Stiddy. And DJ Turner, we'll get into the game a little bit. Again, I always tread lightly on freaking out over what we see, no. especially oh. in this one in preseason game number two for the Raiders in terms of rotations and who gets playing time. John Vontobo is here as a company. Ari is running things in the Finley Toyota Studios. You were saying overreact? All facts. Everything. Everything you're saying is true. <laughs> in fact, I think Jared Stidham is probably pushing Derek Carr for the starting job. You think he's closed the gap? Yeah. Or a Patriots guy, you know what I mean? He's already got McDaniel's ear. It's over. I have a feeling you're off on that one. I'm not sure how much <laughs> preseason football you've watched over the years, but that, that take could be shaky. That could be coming back as a we told you so promo. That I actually believe that Jerry You idiot! Von Tobel! This guy talks about sports for a living. <laughs> Is that your angry tweeter? Yeah. That doesn't understand sarcasm voice? Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> there, there's a lot of you out there. There's a lot of you. It's the three on Cofield and Company. The Raiders win at 26-20. They're 2-0. 2-0. 2-0 in the preseason. What does that mean? I mean, honestly, it doesn't really mean anything. I will say, in watching them, I think Josh McDaniels and listening to some of the media availability that he's been that he's had. There is maybe something to him kind of wanting to instill like the winning part of this, mm-hmm. right? Like actually trying to win these games because a lot of these coaches come into it with the thought process of development or seeing guys in certain situations, but don't really care about the results. But there are coaches, as we know, who do take the preseason relatively seriously, at least in terms of establishing a winning culture. And for a guy like McDaniels, who's coming in and the Ra- look, the Raiders are coming off of a postseason berth, so it's not like it's a losing culture, but a guy who didn't have success his first time around as head coach and establishing something new in this city. Maybe he wants to instill just a kind of a winning mentality. It seems that way, at least to me, when I watch the games. Yeah, you would think it's pretty common with new coaches. Although with, like, say, a Doug Peterson, he's already established. He's already won a Super Bowl. He doesn't have to do the same thing. But I got it with McDaniels. You know, there was a bad rap. Uh, McDaniels coming in. There was the stuff in Denver. There was a weird, you know, I'm taking the Colts job, and then a couple days later, I'm not taking the Colts job. And we've heard multiple NFL analysts say, hey, they're surprised from – what they're hearing out of Raiders camp that it's not a living hell and that McDaniels is not Belichick. Yeah. And that was all 
on the plate, kind of like, hey, this is what you're getting with Josh McDaniels. And I think he's trying to make sure that people understand that he's not like that. I thought his comment this morning when he went with the media, just talking about appreciating things more. He's been in the NFL a long time, but just taking in everything here early as the head coach of the Raiders. I think at this time in my my life and my career, um, not that I'm, you know, I have been around for, you know, this is my third decade in the NFL. And I think I'm appreciating the things that, you know, that you have right in front of you each day. The people that work here are tremendous. Um, I can't say enough about the people in our building and our organization, the people that, that Mark's put here. We have such great support. Um, and then going to the stadium yesterday, the reception from the moment you you drive into the parking lot, unique to me. Okay. Said that was unique to him. Shots fired at the Patriots fans? <laughs> of course. Absolutely. I heard that. That's I was right. like, let's go. Let's start it. Let's see if a Boston media person will pick that up and say, the uh, Raiders' atmosphere is unique to him. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we also we have to throw in there. It's a new market. Everyone knows that here right. in Las Vegas. But the excitement level, you know, it it probably won't be as much of a fever pitch in the preseason as it is right now. I mean, you know, again, like you know, eight ten years from now, it changes. Seems like a good crowd out there though. Yesterday, so at least watching on TV. They're hard tickets to, to get. There's a lot of places for the preseason, and rightly so. These are practice games where no one shows up. And Raiders fans and Las Vegans, any chance to get in there to see the Raiders, whether it's fake football or not, they're there. And look, I'm not going to pretend to be an X's and O's guys either, but going back to the original point here, you watch some of the stuff they're running, and it doesn't look like really basic stuff. I mean, heck, the first play of the Hall of Fame game, play action shot downfield. <laughs> like, yeah. It looks like they're at least trying to do something on the field. And I should back off on the fake football. Everyone out there is playing. You know, they're playing one, they're playing to. Stay safe, right? You know, you got Kenyon Drake out there. It's not fake football if he gets hit and hurt. And then you've got all the guys who are trying to survive the cut down to 53. Which, speaking of, you know, we watched game one and we're like, oh, okay, you know, a lot of guys are playing out there like Josh Jacobs. And we'll get to the running back situation in the five o'clock hour. But yesterday, uh, Vic Taper from The Athletic pointed out four Raiders who played the most in the second preseason game Tyron Johnson, wide receiver, Jermaine Illuminor. Keelan Cole, another wide receiver, and Amik Robertson. Robertson apparently has had a really good camp, mm-hmm. so I think he's safe in making the team. But I don't know how many receivers are going to keep. You, you would assume Johnson and you know more of a veteran Cole are battling for a spot with Mac Hollins in front of them and Renfro and Devontae Adams, Demarcus Robinson also in that mix of you know guys. Hey, you got to better get it done. So that's always worth watching. You know the guys you think are in the twos and threes safely, and then they're playing in game two of the preseason. Well, I see. I also think, though, is game – this is game two for them, but, like, how much has this shortened preseason thing switched it up for teams, right, in terms of how they're managing, what is the dress rehearsal anymore, what game is more valuable to these coaches now at this point, and maybe because the Raiders are playing four games, McDaniels are treating it like a regular old preseason where it was four games and – Game two doesn't matter, and you're getting a lot of guys who probably aren't going to be impactful on the roster playing a majority of the minutes and reps out there. But I do wonder if that changes. But I also say this. I mean, you talked about Illuminor. Did not he, did he start at left tackle yesterday? Like that, That's the other thing to me. I mean, when I see something like that, it's just testing your versatility and seeing what else you could do because you're probably going to need – there might be some switching around, some positions. Not that Colton Miller's rock solid there, but you want to see what else he can do. Illuminor could be one of the new utility guys along with Parham. Right. You know, since their best utility guy, Denzel Good – Retired. You're noticing something in these games that 
hey, uh, even though it's game one for everyone else because there's only three games, maybe there's a little more oomph going into these games because, you know, all we've talked about the last couple of preseasons are, you know, 14, 12 games and so far overs. 14 and three to the over in the first 17 games so far. And that's, I wanted to throw out there because I I do think last year, if you looked at the first 16 games, 17 games, 15 of them went under the total. And this year, 14 of them have gone over the total. We're only two years now into this experiment where it's preseason games, only three of them. But I do wonder if those things change. I wonder if coaches now, because there are fewer games in terms of evaluating their rosters, are throwing more out there in terms of play calling. Look at the last touchdown yesterday from the Vikings. It was a rub route, right? That went that turned into a wheel route in the end zone for a touchdown. Like I do wonder if maybe coaches are trying a little bit harder because they don't have as much time to evaluate the players on the field. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company. The initial ruling from Judge Sue Robinson made a very specific point of saying that your lack of remorse played into her decision making. What is your response to that? Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my des- decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, I would definitely like to have back. But I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and show that, you know, I am a, a true person of, of character and I want to keep pushing forward. Interesting combo put out before the uh, Browns and Deshaun Watson make their first appearance of the preseason. Let's talk some NFL, maybe a little bit of Colts as well as Mike Wells, ESPN national radio host, is up with John and Cofield here in Vegas. Mike, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, fellas? What's going on? You guys doing all right? Man, by the way. I gotta tell you, I know we're supposed to be talking football. I was in Vegas two weeks ago yeah. for the NABJ conference, and I've been to Vegas a number of times in the summertime. That was probably the coolest weather that I've had <laughs> in Vegas of my all the all the years I've gone there. So I don't know if my, I don't know if you guys talk to Mother Nature or what, but thank you very much for helping me out there. Yeah, it's actually been rainy here. We call it the monsoon season, but we haven't had it in like seemingly 10 years. It's actually been one of the cooler summers, which is funny, too, because there are a lot of new Raiders who are like, my God, it's hot here. And I'm like, guys, you've actually gotten like a 15-degree break from what July and August normally are. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, they, exactly, man. What's, and what's up with all the flooding, though? Well, we're not equipped, even though we have all these flood channels because the, the ground is so hard. Not that I'm some weather expert, but because the ground is so hard, <laughs> we get a lot of flooding. Yeah, we get, it's, we get crazy flooding, especially they keep showing videos down on the Strip and by our big Ferris wheel and uh, the link, it just floods all the time. It's always done that for like for like 30 years. So I'd like to make some you know flood transition to what's going on right now with the uh, brown sinking. But uh, you tell me, after hearing uh, Aditi there talk to Deshaun Watson and he gave kind of an apology there, where are we with Deshaun Watson and the Browns and the NFL appeal? Well, first of all, here's my thing. This has been going on for months and months and months, and now Deshaun Watson wants to come out and quote-unquote apologize about it. <laughs> My question is, where the hell was his apology at a long time ago? Because before he was talking about he didn't do anything wrong. Now he's out there apologizing for it. So I just when I, when I heard those comments on NFL Network, I was like, are you serious, Deshaun? You could have did this a long time ago, but instead you're acting like you didn't do anything wrong. But back to, back to your question, it, it, it's a holding pattern right now. And basically it's in a holding pattern. I mean, you know, reports out there that Roger Goodell wants to, be, you know, hand a more severe punishment than what was initially handed out to Deshaun, which is not surprising because you think about all the things, all the, you know, I use Calvin Ridley, for example. I mean, he bet with $1,500 and got suspended for a year. We're talking about 
uh, more severe legal issues for Deshaun Watson. So I would expect the NFL to, you know, try to severely uh, lay down the hammer. I was a little surprised that, you know, somewhat surprised that the Browns let Deshaun play in that preseason game um, last Friday. But, you know, I'm sure they're taking the approach of, you know, until they hear more, they got to let Deshaun Watson get out there because, I mean, people tend to forget he didn't play a snap last season. So he's got to try to get some game action in for him. But this whole process is just dragging out, in my opinion. So if we get 12, 16, the whole entire season, whatever it is for Watson, uh, how much does that increase the probability that Jimmy Garoppolo is now an asset to be dealt to Cleveland? You know, when they, they went out, they got, they got Jacoby Brissett, who, you know, when I, you know, when I covered the Indianapolis Colts for nine seasons, mm-hmm. I dealt with two seasons of Jacoby Brissett as a starting quarterback. I've, I've said it from the get-go, to Jacoby Brissett, you're fine in the short term. And when I say short term, I'm talking about two or three games. For, uh, for Jacoby Brissett because it's not hard for defenses to figure out what type of quarterback he is. He's a dink and dunk um, style quarterback. They got Josh Rosen, who Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen seems to be changing teams as, you know, as often as we change underwear uh, on a regular basis with, with his career. But you would think that with Trey Lance as a starting quarterback in San Francisco that Jimmy Garoppolo would be on his way out. Um, but – with Jimmy G, I, I would want to go to Cleveland. I'd be like, all right, let me get this short-term fix in, especially if Deshaun is suspended for a year. Come in, have an opportunity to prove that you are still a starting quarterback in the NFL that can lead a team far in the playoffs. Because the supporting cast on the Cleveland Browns, I'm a big fan of. I know Kareem Hunt once out of town, but Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, you got uh, on the other side, you, you got um, uh, Garrett out there, and then you got Baden Clowney. They got pieces to make a run. But if you don't have a quarterback, I think we, we can all agree. You don't have a quarterback, it's hard to win in the NFL. So if I'm Garoppolo and if Sean Watson gets suspended for a year, I'm like, please trade me to Cleveland and I'll try to get up to speed as quick as possible and let the Browns put the Browns in position to try to win some football games. Cleveland does have cap space, but how much does the $24 million price tag hold up things if you're looking to get Jimmy Garoppolo? Would, it, would that be a big part of this deal? Would you want the Silver 49ers, I would assume, to take some of that money? Oh, yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, listen, yeah. Basically, I, I would I would do kind of uh, the way the way the Carolina Panthers and the Cleveland Browns did that deal for Baker Mayfield. I'm like, listen, you got to take some of his finances off our hands. If you if you if you want him, you gotta you gotta sit here, San Francisco. If you want to trade him, San Francisco, you gotta you gotta hold on to some of that money. So yeah, that that's the thing. But the issue the Browns are gonna have to face, in which they should have known this was a possibility ever since they you know traded for him for the Houston Texans that that Deshaun Watson was gonna miss some severe time. Cleveland got to say, is can Jimmy, considering, you know, what are we, two weeks in the training camp, can he get caught up to speed that quick and make an impact on the roster? But everybody's waiting until the Deshaun news is broken, until it comes out, if it's going to be a full year or whatnot. Mike Wells, ESPN National, is with us. One last thing on Garoppolo for the Browns. Uh, we run basically every network here, so I listen to uh, Colin Cowherd a lot, and he was saying this morning to trade a second for Garoppolo, a second-round pick, and I was like, why not just wait until he's released, not waste draft capital? Like, is what's the risk of waiting? Who else is going to trade for Jimmy G? Nobody. But here's the thing. If you release him, if you if, if, if they wait and the 49ers release him, then, then the Browns don't have control of the situation anymore. Right. They're, they're competing. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, I know San Francisco would have no interest in trading inside the division, the Seattle. But if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and he gets released, I'm going after him. No offense to Geno Smith and, uh, Dre, and uh, Drew Locke, but 
Those guys are journeyman quarterbacks. I'm going to get Garoppolo and keep in the division. So that's the risk you have if you wait for him to get released. You're competing against other teams in that situation. Well, that's a great point on the Seahawks, but I'm still confused on what the Seahawks are doing. Do they want to win this year? Because oh, I, no, think, oh, I think Pete Carroll does want to win. I'm not sure that the GM John Schneider wants to win. Oh, trust me. Me and my good buddy, a guy you guys are very familiar with, Hugh Myers, when we're on, when we do national radio together, I, I'm baffled. More so, I'm a Pacific Northwest guy. I'm from, I'm from, the, from the Washington State area. And I just don't get um, – Pete Carroll's was going to be 71 years old, if I'm not mistaken, next month. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at a potential rebuild situation. I don't know what the hell's going on in Seattle. I mean, it, it's, it's baffling that a, a head coach as good as Pete Carroll is, as old as he is, can handle a rebuild process. So let's talk a little bit about the guy who's taken over for Jimmy G, Trey Lance. I – may or may not have a bet on the San Francisco 49ers to go under the win total of 10, and I watched seven dropbacks of Trey Lance, and I was like, yeah, I'm screwed. He looks great. Really? Uh, oh, come on. Oh, come on now. <laughs> you, you, you're trying to tell me you're one of those sip the Kool-Aid in the preseason kind of guy? We were doing, a, we're doing our overreactions to uh, week one of the preseason. I might not be entirely oh, honest yeah. with that assessment, but he did look really solid, I, I thought, in a very limited sample size. Oh yeah, I mean, think about. It. I mean, he he was he was a deer in headlights last year, in my opinion. Now he's had a full year in the system uh, under uh, Kyle Shanahan. Again, we talk about teams that have pieces around. I mean, when you got Debo Samuel out there and stuff, you got you got a guy that you can use as a running back, wide receiver. I think he's going to have an opportunity to um, to do some things. Here's my question: I, I don't have the Seahawks. I'm excuse me, the Four Niners um, schedule right in front of me. What division are they facing this year? The 49ers? We'll have to look. Now we're, now we're yeah. both stymied. Uh, now we're both stymied. Look it up. Who are they crossing over with? Let's see. Um, let's see. We got to. Yeah, Come on, Internet. Over? Come on, Wi-Fi. Work. AFC West. And uh, let's see. Looks like AFC. No, that's right. It is AFC West. Yeah, AFC yeah. West so and it's NFC a, so, South. So it's AFC West. And NFC South. There oh, we go. boy. Ooh, AFC hey, West. Oh, I'm, ta- I'm, ta- I'm taking that under on 10, too. Listen, can y'all, can y'all run down to the to – the, uh, the casino for me and throw some money out. I think the under ten on that one. There you go. Because the AFC West is the best. The, a- the AFC West is the best division of football. Like something new that we've got uh, here in Vegas and around the country. If you uh, actually want to just Venmo me money, I can. I could probably put the bet on the phone. I'm actually. I was just looking at my betting app right now to get all the win totals and stuff. So if you really want to bet, we're probably uh, committing a crime. <laughs> right. We're committing a crime right now on live radio, radio by doing this. So, yeah. Ari, right, dump all that. Okay. Hey, well, and, and, Hey, well, luckily I'm kind of cheap, so it's there okay. I don't like losing money, so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and hold on to my the ten dollars I would have bet on it. There you go, uh, John. Overreaction too, Bears. God. Oh, I don't. I don't think this is an overreaction. So, Mike, I'm really curious when you see things carry over from the season prior into short sample sizes in the preseason. I think that's cause for concern. I.e., Justin Fields not having an offensive line in front of him still for Chicago. That's going to be a problem that popped up again uh, over the weekend. Oh, see, I'm a little biased here because Matt Eberflus, uh, the head coach, uh, former coach, defensive coordinator, I'm a big fan of his. Big, big, big fan of his. I'm hoping he does well. But the Chicago Bears did a complete disservice to Justin Fields' offseason. They sat there and did not give, put anything in front of them and off at the line. And who the hell is he going to throw the football to? You want this kid to have success and they don't go out and address the offensive side of the ball? They are setting Justin Fields up for complete failure this season. And I'm, a, I'm not Justin Fields 
ever since I was watching him on QB1 on uh, Netflix. And he's not going to have a chance to have success because the Bears didn't do much. And, you know, we know how this league works. If a team struggles offensively, the fingers are pointed at the quarterback position right away. And that's where Justin Fields is going to, you know, get criticized that when. Not say, I'm not saying if, when the Chicago Bears struggle this season. Mm-hmm. See, Steve told you when I sent over the notes, Justin Fields is effed. It's not his fault. And Mike, that's like that's probably the tough part about this for Fields is next year's quarterback class is going to be great, and I think the Bears are going to be in the running for worst record in the NFL, not by Eberflus' fault. Because by the way, I'm a Colts fan and I'm a big Eberflus fan as well. Uh, but I just think this roster is awful, and they're doing everything they can to maximize their position in the draft. And Fields is going to be the fall guy. Yep. Uh, oh my God, we in agreement, man. We're rolling right now. now it, it is going to be. It's going to be all about – it's going to be Justin Fields' fault for everything that goes wrong offensively for him. He can have a game where he throws two or three interceptions and they're going to blame him, not not uh, realizing that the receivers couldn't win their one-on-one matchups or get separation at the line of scrimmage. It is I, – I feel bad for this young man. Mike Wells with us on Cofield & Company, one of the uh, voices on ESPN National. Before we get you out of here, let's talk Colts by the numbers. So, first of all, should the Colts be – a pretty sizable favorite to win the division. They're minus 130, Titans are next at 155, and then Jags and Texans way off in the distance. Well, uh, well the, Texans, Texans, the Texans are a complete disaster. Um, yes, I am giving the Colts the favorite on it. I mean, I know we talk about – we talk about. I crack the joke about Josh Rosen changing teams all the time. The Colts are changing week one quarterbacks nonstop too. So that's, that's their issue. But the moment that the Tennessee Titans traded – um, AJ Brown to Philadelphia, I move the Colts to the top of the top of the uh, as being a favorite because I'm not a big believer in Ryan Tannehill. Um, I am a believer in Mike Vrabel, the head coach. I think he's probably the most underrated head coach in the NFL, in, in my opinion. But you're banking on Vrabel. I mean Ryan Tannehill to step up and win games. Derrick Henry finally finally started showing signs that he's not Superman. He gets injured at times. So give give me the Colts and. That defense, after they go out and take a guy that you guys are very familiar with in Yannick to go with Quiddy Pay and the Forrest Buckner on the defensive line and Darius Leonard, the linebacker, this defense is going to be good. They're going to need to be good when they face Derek Carr and the rest of the AFC West out there. So, yeah, I'm going with the Colts to win the division this year. Mike, last one. We're talking to Mike Wells. Uh, he, uh, on Twitter, if, you know, people go up there, they can see in your bio, lecturer of journalism at IU Media School. Do kids now – Want to go into traditional media, especially print, or when you talk about journalism, do you have to kind of cover everything now, which also includes content creators and bloggers who are making a lot of money in the, quote, media? Well, you know, it's funny. I just tur- I just finished my 2,000-word syllabus last night. Okay. And, and, and as I told them, there's no such thing as a print reporter, or just a radio reporter, mm-hmm. a radio broadcaster, TV reporter. You got to be a multimedia journalist because if you're not a multimedia journalist, you have no chance in hell of surviving this business in this industry. It's way different from when I started 25 years ago. It is all about being able to do everything. I never envisioned when I started working at the St. Paul Pioneer Press in Minnesota in July of 2000 that 22 years later I would be a co-hosting on a national radio show, showing up on Sports Center, doing podcasts. I never thought that was going to happen, but that's what happened. So yeah, if you're not if you're not willing to do multiple things, you might as well go ahead and um, you know think about another career. And that's what I've been. T- I've been. An, I've been an adjunct professor at IU for three years, and I tell my students all the time, "You're not coming in to be a beat guy. You're doing everything." Yep. 
Are you are you quiz on the syllabus guy, or do you just like give it to them and let them read it if they choose? No, because the reality is, as I put in bold letters, the syllabus will change on a week to week basis because we're treating <laughs> this like we're in the business. We are rea- we are reacting to the news. Nice. So I just have I have to turn a syllabus in, but we react to the news. So what I have on there now may not happen in week three. So that's 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 just again, it's all about being in the business. I gotta get I gotta get these kids ready for it because kids today. They write the way they like to tweet or do Snapchat and stuff like that, and then that's not going to fly either. So yes, I'm a I am a uh, hard hard grader when it comes to school. Yeah. Mike, that was awesome. Love the work you're doing for uh, ESPN Radio National. Thank you so much for the time today. All right, fellas, you guys be good. There he is, Mike Wells, uh, hosting with uh, ESPN National. As you heard, uh, very detailed journalistic background, and uh, one of the guys who's getting with the times. Because I, I, I'm starting to feel like I think I do more videos a day than, than uh, the three-hour radio show. But that's what you have to do. And if you're lazy and you can't articulate, goodbye. You're in trouble. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. They think that they're going to have a good team. And even if Kevin Durant gets to the start of training camp and doesn't want to come because he's trying to still force that trade, this is not a team that's tearing down looking to rebuild. This is a team that honestly believes, whether you think it's crazy or not, that they can compete for a championship this year. And so they're not going to yield. And they've made that position very clear. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 BBW. Big Brian Winhorst on with Canty and Carlin. And I'm all about that. I'm a Nets fan. If Kevin Durant wants out, he doesn't get to go exactly where he wants. Nets have way too much invested in him. So it's going to be a while. So it's funny, over the weekend, a story comes out, and I'm not sure that KD fed unnamed NBA exec, but Mark Stein, who's covered the NBA forever, said he talked to an NBA executive who believes that if Kevin Durant is not traded by the Brooklyn Nets, he will simply sit out. He will retire. Kevin Durant has responded, Steve, to these articles, this accusation of his, these articles. You I want to hold off that. a second? Okay. Because I want to hear what he says, because I'm guessing. If I were just to guess, I would I would think it would be fake news, but I, I also believe people put stuff out and then say it's fake news, even though they put it out through right. intermediaries. Uh, Coward today. Over on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM. Tackled the notion that Kevin Durant could retire. He's, what, 33? Right? He's like, like, wow, he's going to retire? Kind of towards the end of his prime? And Coward, you know, built the case. He's he's an odd guy, man. Who thought he would do what he did a couple of years ago with GSW? But if you think the uh, he'd retire is crazy, leaving the Warriors was nuts. I mean, leaving Golden State... For, with and Steph and Clay and Draymond and Kerr and winning and culture, all they asked him to do was hit shots. He left that for Brooklyn. I don't know if you have to rip on my nets by saying Brooklyn. It's also not that crazy. <laughs> I mean, think about the way that he was destroyed for joining Golden State, the team that he lost to after being like that's lost to history too. They were up three one in that series against Golden State when they lost. Right? With a trip to the finals on the line. Seemed like, seemed like they had some chemistry issues, too. 
with like aggro, super aggro. Talking him and Draymond got along fine, and Draymond Green, that that could have been a reason to walk. Right, like I don't think it was that crazy. Like, and, I get, and going to the Nets was it that risky? I mean, in a way, he's right. I mean, the, the Warrior had he stayed around and he could tolerate it, the Warriors were just going to keep winning. Right, that's it, true. That's that was the easy path to take for about the same money, more probably. Right, but I, I would also say, and this is just from my prism, so I, I like I could be wrong. The year that KD was finally going to be healthy, and him and Kyrie were set to you know start this whole thing. From an odd standpoint, they were the shortest favorite to win an NBA title since the Warriors. Right. And the Warriors were odds on favorites. And keep in mind, right. at some point, the Warriors got to like $2 favorites. That's never going to happen again. Like minus 200 is what I mean, not plus 200. Um, but like I wrote about it and I, I wrote a column on it, like saying, like, they have the chance to upend like this stretch of parody that we're in. Like going into that year, we had three different champions, no repeat teams in the finals. But they, together, looked like they were going to be absolutely fantastic, and that roster looks great. I don't think it was that crazy that he left. I get what he's setting up there, Colin, but like I don't agree with the premise that it was insane to go to, as you put it, Brooklyn after leaving <laughs> Golden State. We saw the Christmas Day schedule come out for the NBA. No nets on the schedule. That means something, right? So the NBA did not put Kevin Durant on their Christmas schedule. They know Kevin Durant's either not playing or he's gone. Nailed it! Or him and Kyrie have been wildly unavailable because of health the last two years, and so why risk that? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I get he's he's putting together dots in like and <laughs> clues that I don't think are really there. You got to try. You got to try. Yeah, it's very conspiracy tinfoil hat stuff, though. I mean, I like it. Boy, we did not really get our say on Friday because of the timing of Tatis. Fernando Tatis in the steroid expansion or expansion. Uh, I mean, he expanded his muscles. Uh. Suspension. If there probably wasn't an expansion, uh, I actually wonder: Did that expansion actually go back a couple of years to help him earn fourteen years and three forty? We'll ask Dave Koken. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. He gives no f's, and that's why you love him. It's Dave Koken on Cofield and Company. Yeah, all right. It's fired up. A lot going on behind I'm giving there. no Fs today. Yeah. So I'm glad Koken's in here. Dave, what's going on, buddy? Well, I'm in a good mood. Uh, uh, I bet I bet one golf out right last week. Uh, I normally play three or four, but I only took one and happened to be Will Zalatoris. So uh, things worked out. Well, were you were you into the whole Cam Smith, Scotty Scheffler beef walking through the putt line? I was that got me into the golf tournament, Dave. Uh, I I don't think there's any question that they uh, kind of sent a message to Cam Smith, and uh, I don't have a problem with that. So wait, what exactly happened, John? Uh, so I can't. It was it was early. On. I think it was the first round, and Cam Smith, you know, was doing like the crouch down and like measuring the shot. You line he walked up the right in front of him. Yeah. And, Scheffler walked like right through the, his line, oh, and Smith golf. did the thing where he like Hello. looked up at him, yeah. and he was like, "You mother!" You know. <laughs> and then they penal- and then they penalized him, yeah, uh, for something that occurred after in the third round, after the third round. So he started with the penalty in uh, on Sunday. Wait, what do you make? By the way, so there was a lot of uh, like hubbub around that. 
But how normal is that in golf for nearly 24 hours later for a penalty to be assessed? Because I liken it to the NBA, Dave, where during the playoffs there was a sequence where there was a basket that was changed in the Eastern Conference Finals and everybody was losing their ass. I'm like, that happens all the time if you watch in the regular season. How unprecedented was it what they did with him? Oh, it's not unprecedented. It's happened before. But I think, uh, um, I mean, I, I can't prove it, obviously. But I, I, I think the fact it was Smith is like, oh, okay, fine. Let's penalize him. Wagertalk.com. Dave loves baseball. We have him on to talk baseball uh, many of the weeks out of the year. So you got to give me your take on Fernando Tatis. You know, made a dumb mistake, uh, hurt himself uh, riding a bike, and now he's going to be down for 80 games into next season because of a roid pop. Yeah, well, you know, it was ringworm. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. You know, if you're going to come up with an excuse, maybe come up with a better one. Hire some writers or something. Uh it's going to be a long time off between games between Tati, uh, for Tatis and uh, A.J. Preller is probably the one who's going to pay the price for this because um, <laughs> they're probably not going to be able to re-sign Soto and, uh, and he'll end up getting, getting the gate. Yeah, outside of that, I don't care. Wait, Wait on, on Soto, why, why wouldn't they be able to re-sign him? I don't know where the money's going to come from. Okay, because if they have the money, which I think they do, could you see the owner being like, hey, Preller, I don't trust you. I don't trust these guys. You know, I took your word on Tatis. No, I'm not taking your word. Like, that would be the reason he would hold back the money on Soto. Could you see that? Could be. Yeah. Um, they've got a lot of money out there already. They signed Musgrove to a long-term contract, which I think they might have overpaid. Yep. Uh, obviously, Tatis is, is there for a long, long time. I don't know. You can't sign everybody, and they're going to get a lot of competition for Soto. So I think there's some interesting stuff going on behind the scenes here. So Preller came out and went after Tatis. Multiple players have gone after Tatis. You generally yeah. don't see teammates do that, which suggests to me that along with the accident and now this Roy Pop, there's been stuff building with Tatis that has bothered his teammates for a while. Well, he's... Listen, if you're going to walk the walk, you better, or if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk, and right now he can't walk. So, yeah, I think his teammates are probably a little bit angry with him. I also was thinking today, because Chris Woodward got fired, the Rangers manager, yeah. and, you know, Woodward got into Tatis, and you remember I flipped out back then because I was like, I cannot believe Jace Tingler, the Padres manager, is actually siding with the opposing manager. But, again, maybe there's stuff we didn't know about, and Tingler was like, you know, he's kind of bothered me too. Kind of looks that way. Um, in any case, he's a guy whose uh, MLB has been trying to build as one of the young faces, and they'll have to redo that now. Uh, and he's gone from being tremendously popular to being tremendously unpopular. What do you think of Woodward losing his job in Texas? Uh, you got to win a one-run game once in a while. I mean, <laughs> you know, they're like 6-24 and 24 or some ridiculous thing on in one-run games. So, uh they're, they're trying to build in the right direction, and I, I guess they feel Woodward's not the guy. So how bad is this uh, for the Yankees? How legitimate are the concerns after they get shut down by Michael Waka Flock of Flame on Sunday night for uh, bad uh, he uh, threw the, Well, you know, he threw the ball really well. The problem is they also got shut down by other guys who aren't that good. Um, now LeMayhew is hurt. Judge is like the entire offense. The closer situation's a mess. Efros isn't a closer, okay? Um, <laughs> they're... Well, he's just not. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's, you know, he's he's useful, uh, but he's he's a ninety mile an hour guy. Those aren't the guys you want in the ninth inning, okay? Um, 
they got some troubles. So, the, you know, the Astros are the favorites right now with good reason. So what happened, though? Like, what happened from the highs of pre-All-Star break to where we're at right now? Well, they lost two key relievers. Uh, Holmes went back to normal. And, you know, Stanton is a big piece of the offense. You start yep. losing guys. Nobody, nobody is that strong that they can withstand big injuries in a slump at the same time. So... You know, I mean, they're certainly not out of it. I mean, they can come out of this, but right now they're not very good. And I would also say the starting pitchers all pitched a little bit better than they are, and they all came back to earth. I like the addition of Montes. Hopefully he gets it together, you know, for this last six weeks. I mean, the Yankees are in decent shape. It's not a disaster, but they're certainly they should not be a gigantic favorite to win the World Series. And they're not. Yeah. All right, let's talk prices on the market. John, one observation you made was about the Blue Jays fire. Oh, well, I think, and I've talked to you about this over on, on Visa, Dave, but, you know, the market on Toronto seems relatively high. The, uh, Friday was the last time I bet against him, but Cal Quantrill gets a start against Toronto, and they end up getting that. He deals a gym. I think there was 8 nothing the final score, and the market kind of moved against him here today. They opened up a buck sixty. they They're down to minus well, 150. It seems that, pretty high on him. That's Kikuchi. I mean, yeah. uh, you want to bet on Kikuchi? Guy's been hard, just terrible, uh, and he, he did show some signs of improvement uh, after the managerial change and after a stint on the IL, and then he goes out and gives up three homers again in the last game. So uh, I think people are just lining up to bet against him, and the Orioles are a good story that people are following, and the team's playing good baseball. So the rest of these games, and we're talking about, like, I mean, they haven't won consecutive games since, I think, that series with Tampa Bay. So this is nothing to worry about here because they've been pretty high, and they're losing these games. I wouldn't say it's anything to worry about. They're just in a, in a slump. That's an awfully good lineup, and they're not going to they're not going to held get held down for that much longer. They'll come out of it. Wait a second. I can get Otani today at minus one hundred five. The bet is in, Dave. The bet is in against Seattle and Castillo. Well, but Castillo's pitching just as well as Otani. Damn it! It's a great matchup. I think you bet the under first five there, and. Uh, if they score four runs and you lose, well, that's that's the way it goes. But uh, these two guys are in great form, and I think both should be excited about this pitcher's duel tonight. And neither team's hitting at all right now. Oh, well, that's the – trust me. I So the other angle that I have taken, Dave, <laughs> I bet against Otani in his last two home starts. And granted, it was Texas and Oakland. He was over a $2.40 favorite in both yeah. of those starts. And then here he is. Now it's near a pick. So I think, uh, yeah, that lineup has been absolutely atrocious. He's got no room for error. No, and it's a bad line. Seattle's not hitting right now. Yeah. So, yeah, unless one of the pitchers has an off night. Uh, and I won't play full game unders because if you happen to be 1-1 one, one in the next innings, it can still go over. So I'll, I'll stick with the first five. Koken is with us. Uh, I saw that you were on VSIN, and I saw that you guys were talking Texas at number 11. It says Dave Koken doesn't agree with that ranking. No, I, I think it's too high. I don't think they're quite there yet. I think they're a good team. I don't want to make it sound like, oh, Texas sucks. They don't. They're, they're going to be a good team. But are they an automatic double-digit win team, which it would take to get to that ranking? I, I don't think so. I think they're probably still a year away. Uh, the defense has still got some question marks. And, uh, you know, I know the Big 12 is – the future of the Big 12 isn't very good, but it's still a decent league right now. So I think there's some potholes there. And I think they'll probably win – more than seven, but less than ten. So, I don't think they they uh, finished in the top fifteen. Steve, I'll have you know that was the Edge preseason top forty poll in which Texas uh, Texas checked in at number eleven. 
we polled four people. It's very, very exact science. <laughs> well, uh, but should have asked Dave. I had Texas. Would changed at, it. I had Texas at number seventeen. So I don't know okay. where all these other people were getting. Wow, someone from. have Texas yeah. top five in yeah. your poll? Uh, I think Paul Stone, a college football handicapper, had yeah. the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, listen, Paul. Paul's good. Paul's got a great opinion. Yep. So uh, maybe we just are on opposite sides. And again, if Texas is ahead of schedule, they maybe get there this year. Dave, the AP rankings came out today. And it generally doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of uh, wagering, but Ohio State 2, Notre Dame 5, they're meeting up in just a couple of weeks. Ohio State is holding steady as a 14.5-point favorite. Is Notre Dame overrated, or, oh, my God, the second team down to the fifth, there's a massive gap? Uh, I'll go with the massive gap. Ooh, okay. Notre Dame's got a solid team. Yeah. But Ohio State... uh, Assuming they've improved the defense, which I think they have, they're going to be really tough to beat. That is a tremendous offense. Dave, I assume you guys are rolling out lots of videos, lots of packages with college football week zero, under two weeks away at wagertalk.com? Yeah, and uh, I'll look to have a good college season. I'm still number one there all time in net profits in college football, even though I didn't have a good year last year. But uh, enthused about this season and ready to go. Dave's number one. Dave's number one. Yeah, follow Coke, and he's great on college football. Dave, have a good Monday. We're glad you're in a good mood. We hope uh, we didn't put you in a bad mood. No, never. Excellent. All right. See you, Dave. See ya. There he is, Dave Coken. Never say never, Dave. I could probably put you in a bad mood real quick. I've heard other spots with Dave. Sometimes when I'm not here, I feel like he leaves with a bad mood. Yeah. I don't know what you guys do to him. I mean, we only <laughs> ask the smartest of questions. <laughs> so, Fernando Tatis, it is fair for me to ask... Did this guy earn a 14-year, $340 million deal? I'm going to turn that alarm off. Uh, did this guy earn a 14-year, $340 million deal under false pretenses? I think it's fair to ask. Absolutely. It, is, this a, is this a recent roid dabbling? Or oh, is, is that how a 21, 22-year-old goes out there and hits 40 home runs? No, it's totally recent. What are you talking about? He got a haircut. There was a fungus. He had to use a spray. Yeah, explain that one. So his dad has been quoted today as expanding upon what happened. And apparently, got a bad haircut. Thus, a fungus, I think, grew. Then he had to use a spray. And that spray had that in there. Thus, popped hot. So, yeah, it's recent. And I am right. You rarely see other teammates and the GM who gave him $340 million. But other teammates come out and slam their young superstar who they're building the franchise around. Uh, That's pretty strong stuff. Not just other teammates. Mike Clevenger, right? Like, if Mike Clevenger's like, hey, man, you may want to grow up a little bit. Who's here. barely been there? Oh, like, you're not who, even part of the team yet. Who was so immature, he went out partying during the pandemic. It was like, sorry, Cleveland, I don't really know what to do for you. you know I forgot I mean? about that. Yeah. He was part of that crew. Yeah. The, now he's finger wagging. <laughs> Come on, man. Need you to grow up. We need you to be here for the team. Well, in my opinion, I. I think most guys don't speak out against steroids when a teammate gets caught because they're doing it. There are still a lot of people who are walking the line of the rules. Well, so they don't, you know, you don't want to sit here and, and go on a pedestal and freaking lecture someone. And then eight months later, like, hey, you just got popped. Huh. How about that lecture, buddy? Well, I mean, people are also psychopathic enough to still do that while they're doing it behind the scenes. You oh, can still get a couple of those. Wouldn't be surprised if, uh, Tatis is not the only one doing it, the uh, Padres Clubhouse. Oh, there's a laundry list of people who lecture others. 
I saw Ryan Braun was getting like some sort of ceremony the other day. Like all these brewers like taking pictures with him. And I just kept thinking, I was like, remember when you got that guy fired? <laughs> <laughs> Giveaway time. Four packet tickets, three ice, playoff championship. It's this Saturday, Orleans Arena. It's three on three hockey. I mean, come on. It's uh, explosive hockey all the time. We're going to talk to Grant Fuhr, one of the coaches, later in the week right here on Cofield and Company. This also qualifies you for a VIP meet and greet. That's a giveaway. You might be able to win that. But you do get the four tickets to the three ice. Grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Caller 7 right now. Ari's going to give you those tickets. Caller 7-364-1100.